Welcome to iThrive, the podcast with inspiring stories and practical advice to help you lead a fulfilling and abundant life. A better you starts right now. Welcome to another episode of the iThrive podcast where we ask our guests, what does it mean to them to thrive? You'll also hear stories and experiences that we hope will help you live your best life. My name's Stanford Webster. I'm running Point this morning and joining me today is my co-host, RJ Wright. How are you doing, RJ? I'm doing terrific, Stan. Excited for today. Yeah, I'm really excited. So I want to get straight into it and introduce our guest. Marcus Joseph was made in New Zealand, but he was born in Australia Proudly raised in the western Sydney suburb of Mount Druitt, uh, that came with some obvious challenges, one of which was having to fight and work hard for everything that he had. Marcus is a man of faith, and like me and my co-host, is a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, sometimes also referred to as Mormons. His other religion is rugby, and he's a huge <laughs> All Blacks fan. He's a proud family man, and he and his wife, Lika Imoana, have three kids, Genesis 8, Sailor 5, and Carlisle Storm, who's won. Marcus attended Bidwell High School until year 10. Then he completed his last two years at a, as a board student at the Great Church College of New Zealand. After school, he served a full-time volunteer mission for the church in Nicaragua. Uh, he has a bachelor's degree in business from, the, from BYU Hawaii. And after moving around the U.S. for a few years, he finally returned home to Sydney in 2009. He's a small business owner. He's an all-round great guy and someone I'm privileged to call a friend. And heck, if we got our family trees out and went back a few generations, I'm sure he and I share some blood. Welcome to the show, Marcus Joseph. Oh, thank you so much, man. What an intro. Make me, making me look good, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Marcus, I, I have to start with the most important question of all, my friend. What did you think of the All Blacks uh, last weekend? You know, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts against South Africa? And you got to give it to the to the Springboks. They, um, you know, they had a game plan and they came out and there's something we weren't expecting. Yeah. But um, the good thing about the All Blacks these days, you know, growing up following the All Blacks, we uh, we didn't know whether we got, we were going to win or lose. But um, we've been lucky over the last 15 years where we win so much that you know one loss doesn't really hurt. So yeah, it, uh, it's a good learning curve for us, I guess. I agree. I, I I'm um, I'm a little concerned. Because we know what South Africa brings. Actually, we know what every team that's going to beat us brings. It's that it's that really physical, in-your-face rush defense, and it's really attacking our set pieces. It's like the, I guess it's the formula to beat any team, but particularly us. Yeah. It's the way that yeah, it's the way to disrupt the All Blacks. And so I, I, I would have liked to just see some change in tactics, some change in strategies to kind of combat that. Uh, that rush defense of what we're happening. It seemed like we just lacked variety, uh, particularly in that back line. And, you know, no one wants to see the All Blacks um, forwards get uh, manhandled, you know? Yeah, yeah we, can, we can't seem to deal with that with that physicality at the moment over the last couple of years, I think. Eh? Yeah, but, um, yeah. I think our front row is too small, but um, I don't know. We'll see what they do from here. Yeah. That's right. There's better minds on this than than mine, certainly. But uh, I love, <laughs> like you, Brand. It's it's a passion of mine, and we love being uh, couch couch coaches, don't we? <laughs> Doesn't take a lot to qualify one, so it's a good position to be in. That's right. Yeah, it's funny, Marcus. Like how you you mentioned, you know, going back to kind of the '90s, early 2000s. 
you know, and there was definitely that, hey, we don't know if we're going to win. Aussie had that kind of upper hand on us for a a number of years there. And, you know, we'd only win one of the Blitterslow games and we needed to, we needed to win, we needed to win two to to get it back. And so it's funny that even now after we've had such a successful run against Australia, I still kind of revert back to those, those nineties and two thousands and think, no, 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 they're, they're always a threat. They're always a threat. You know, even, even though my Australian, even though my Australian mates don't think there's a chance, I'm still like, no, no, there's always a chance. Aussie's Aussie's always dangerous. You always get nervous. Hey. Yeah. 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 So I, I blame George Gregan, Steve Larkham, you know, all those. Oh, I made the legends. Phil. Yeah. Phil war. John Eels. John Eels. Um, is George Smith. Um, yeah, Timmy Hoare and Jason Little, yeah. those guys, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were great. They were greats. Hey, uh, Marcus, I want to get st- I want to get stuck into this. And uh, look, if I was to summarize your career the last few years, man, it is incredible and it's inspiring. Uh, but I like to I like to to kind of give context to where you are now. I think it's important that we kind of dive back a few years. So kind of take us through your experience. And if, if you don't mind perhaps starting back at, at, at perhaps the flight center days and, and how you got into, how you got into being a travel agent and, and manager at, at, uh, at flight center and take us from there. So we, we, we came home from uh, the States in 2009, uh, me and my wife, and we were, we were really here just to um, do my visa um, as we we're going to move back to Arizona, um, I picked up a nice little job in Arizona, and um, so we just came home. We left everything that we we owned at a mate's house. Um, we came home. I got I actually got my visa, and then shortly after, a couple of weeks while we're here in Sydney, um, I, I actually felt really sick with uh, leukemia, and so that kind of changed everything for us, and and I wasn't able to get the care that I needed in the, in the states. Um, so we ended up staying, staying here in Sydney. Um, and so I just went around to the local shopping center and, and flight center were hiring. I, I didn't have any experience in, in travel, but I had some sales experience. Um, when, when we used to live in Miami and stuff, I, I used to knock on doors and sell alarm systems and did that in California and things like that. Um, so I just, um, I had a few friends that did that. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> Yeah, so I ended up at the flight center in uh, Mount Druitt as a new travel agent. And a year after that, I was invited to move over to um, the team at Kirribilli. And um, at the time, they were the, the number one team in, in the world for sales. Flight center had about 3,000 stores. And so I went over to Kirribilli and then um, I, I only lasted a year out there. I, I just didn't, uh, I, I absolutely learned a lot and loved the team out there. But um, I just wanted to come home to Mount Druitt. So I, I came home. Back to the flight center at Mount Druid and, and sort of took over um, as the manager there and and um, thankfully I don't know how but we had some quite a lot of success there. Um, the the flight center in, in Mount Druid were were ranked over two thousand out of the three thousand shops as far as profit goes. But um, we were, we were able to put together a nice little team and and um, get it up to rank number twenty nine in the world for a couple of years there. Wow. One of the cool things about being a travel agent is we got to see the world. We got to go around and see many different places. Um, so I had quite a lot of fun with with, with the flight center. And it, it was about 2016, I was at a church function. And um, I was doing security there. And one of my mentors, um, Aaron Smith, uh, Aaron Brown, sorry, 
um, who's a bishop out here in, in Kellyville. Uh, we were doing security together and we just got talking and, and he basically told me that I needed to, to leave the flight center and go out and do, do this for myself. Mm-hmm. I built um, enough mm-hmm. customers and enough experience to be able to work for myself rather than work for someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was in 2017, but I, I didn't end up pulling the trigger till 2019. Yeah. Um, so after 10 years with flight center, I, I, I walked away in September, 2019 and I opened up my own travel agency, um, just, um, travel partners. Mm-hmm. And that was in uh, September, 2019. Mm-hmm. And, um, five months later, the pandemic hit in March, uh, 2020. Uh, but for those five months, um, to be honest with you guys, I, I thought I was a hero. Like I was making like <laughs> so much sales and, and uh, <laughs> that's awesome. like, it was just ridiculous. So I'd never seen that kind of money before. And, and um, I thought I was, I thought I was the man, like I literally thought I was the man. And, um, and then the pandemic hit and, and obviously everything turned upside down overnight. I went from hero to zero and um, I ended up in the, the queue at Centrelink. Um, and so that was March, 2020, um, from March right through to, to this day, we're still actually processing refunds. Um, and, and, and just, uh, my business has, has refunded well over a million dollars in bookings. Wow. When the pandemic, um, hit, I originally thought it'll take six months or, you know, by December we'll be back on track and we'll be back selling again. And then obviously it just never went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by, by June that time, we could see it getting, was getting worse. And so, um, I, you know, I didn't want to live on, on the government assistance. Um, and so me and my wife made a decision that we had, had to do something else. Um, and we, we just, you know, checked out the funds. And then we decided to um, give it a crack at opening a food truck. Um, because we spent six years in Hawaii, um, we loved the Hawaiian food and we thought, why, why not um, open a Hawaiian food truck here in Sydney because no one else has one, and so um, and so that's what we did. Yeah. But um, thankfully, just to take it back just a little bit, um, my wife was doing a church um, course. I can't remember what it's called now, but they do it through BYU or Pathway. And um, mm-hmm. when I started the travel agency, she came home one day and she said, "I think we need to create an emergency fund." Um, and have a year supply of backup money just in case something comes along. And we had always had our little savings accounts and holiday accounts and that. But she said, no, it specifically has to be a fund where we can never touch it and only in case of an emergency. And that was in, that was in October 2019. And then in, in March, obviously, uh, we needed to tap into that fund. And, and thankfully, it was ready um, and we've been able to to survive on, on, on that for the last two years. But, um, so we, we, we decided to build this food truck and we really had no idea what we were doing. Um, we lent a lot of, on our cousin, uh, my cousin who's Hawaiian out in Minchinbury to give us some advice. And, and, um, as, as you know, Stan, you came over when we were first talking about it, we were planning on doing milkshakes <laughs> and ice creams and, yeah. Then it went to donuts and yeah. then Hawaiian barbecue yeah, and then back to donuts. And, <laughs> and, um, in January this year, we, we finally decided to do Hawaiian barbecue and, and, um, we've just been very blessed since we opened, we opened up in January and, and, uh, we've been 
I can't I can't express how how blessed we've been since um, opening the amount of the amount of support that we've received um, as a business as a food truck. Um, every Saturday, people come out and we've been able to um, do quite well um, with the food truck. And so, because travel mm-hmm. continued to to slow and slow and slow. Um, about two months ago, we decided to expand the food truck, um, and so we, we we shopped around and we went out and we we bought a we bought a restaurant, um, and so we we took keys we took the keys for the restaurant last week, and we're just um, renovating at the moment. We plan on opening at the end of this month um, the restaurant. So hopefully, hopefully it goes all right. We'll see what happens, but um, we'll give it a good crack anyway. I'm just curious, was there like going from travel agent to like restaurant, basically totally different industries. Did you have any experience or what, what inspired that switch? No, definitely no experience at all. Um, the thing about, uh, we just have a, I guess we just have the, um, I don't, we don't have the skill set either to do it, but, um, <laughs> I think we just have the, uh, the right attitude, <laughs> we have a good network who support us and, and we're learning a lot as we go. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. From to come from selling, you know, flight tickets to, to making macaroni pasta, you know, it's a, it's a totally different industry, but it's just been a whole lot of fun as well, but we're learning as we go. Yeah. I, I admire your courage to do that. Cause that takes some guts to leap into something totally different. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I, I just remember what, I remember something when I was younger, um, someone said, you know, when you want to do something, all it takes is a little bit of intestinal fortitude and so a little bit of guts and then uh, you can make it happen. <laughs> if, if you don't mind, Marcus, let's back up for a little bit here. I want to go back to in, in 2017, I think you mentioned, uh, you, you know, when your mentor would say, hey, it's all good and well that you're, you're managing a very successful flight center location but you've got to go on your own to get to the next level you mentioned you did that in, in 2019 so there's you know a r- rough kind of two-year gap what what happened in that two years where you went from an idea to hey i'm gonna do it yeah after speaking to aaron um i kind of felt like yeah we should we should at least give it a go mm-hmm. um because i could always come back to the flight center if it didn't work out mm-hmm. um but what happened was I did I did decide to go, and then I realised I was only one year short of my ten year mark, mm. um, which which was a nice little payout as well at Flight Centre. Um, so I pushed on and waited that extra year. Yeah. Um, so I did tell them that I was leaving in a year. Okay. Uh, but it was literally just for that extra ten year um, payout that I that I waited that extra year as well. That makes a lot of sense. I wonder if um, on on the Hawaiian food, like personally, you know, that day that I came over and I think we helped uh, get a fridge out of the car and, and into the garage, if I remember right. Yep. And I remember you first discussing this idea and you said, you were saying, hey, you know, we've been fooling around with uh, recipes for these shakes. And uh, and so uh, you, you kindly went ahead and made me one. And, and, and look, those, they were delicious. They were delicious, but... Um, but for what it's worth and, and strictly for my self-interests, man, I'm glad you went with the Hawaiian plate dinners. Um, Cause uh, oh, uh, they're, I, they're, you know, they're infamous, you know? I, I do remember that. They do. We, we, we literally had no idea what we we're going to do. We just, 
we just bought the food truck and then we thought we'll figure it out as they were building it. And do you think, Marcus, the timing is right? Because one of the greatest, um, I guess, attributes of Sydney is we, we have we have wonderful food, beautiful food, because, uh, you know, it's this melting pot of different ethnicities and cultures and backgrounds. And so, you know, our, our restaurant scene has just benefited from that. But you haven't really seen Hawaiian food. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is, is the timing right? How has it been received? Yeah, and, and we, we did a little bit of research because, um, you know, we know, especially living in Western Sydney, um, our, our people love to spend money on, on food. Um, yeah. And, and, and so we, we did we did a little bit of research and we remember that there's, there's there have been a couple of people who have tried like even the American chains like L and L, they did bring it out to the Gold Coast. Oh, did they? And it didn't it didn't go too oh. well. Yeah, L and L have come to the Gold Coast and also to Auckland. Yeah, but um, American chains don't seem to be received by Aussies very well. So, um, we we thought we'd just we thought we'd just give it a crack. We didn't really know how how it'll go. We knew that no one else was doing it, um, so we thought we had a little bit of an edge there. Mm. But um, we honestly. The main goal was just to be able to pay rent until I can get the travel agency going again, um, or just to keep us afloat. That was that was literally we were like, if we can just make enough to to pay the bills, that'll be enough for us um, until we can start selling travel again. Um, and we still can't sell travel, so that's why we've decided to to move into a restaurant. And when when travel does. When travel is available, are you going to go back to travel, Marcus? Do you have any thoughts there? Um, to, to be fair, it's it's um, it's a really fun industry, and I do plan on going back. Yeah, but I've, I've set a goal for July next year. Although although the borders are opening this year, um, I want to see what happens for at least six months before I start to to put a lot of focus and energy back into it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, travel's fun and 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 it's it's um you know you can you can do you can do okay selling travel um, and hopefully by that time we'll have the restaurant running and it, you know self managing itself and things like that. Um, I got I got a lot of inspiration from my younger brother who who opened a restaurant three months ago in the heart of the pandemic. Um, Did he? Yeah, he opened a restaurant out in Rudy Hill, ah. and uh, we had no we had no desire to open a restaurant, but. Um, I noticed over the last month or two that him and his wife have, um, you know, been staying home quite a lot and not going into the restaurant. And I was like, what's going on there? The restaurant's open every day, but they don't go yeah. in. And he's like, we've got it to a point where they don't need to anymore. Oh, nice. And so I thought maybe we should do that as well. So everyone thinks we're crazy. Every time we tell someone we'll open a restaurant, they're like, what are you doing, man? It's the worst time to do it. But you, you got to do something. Yeah. If it doesn't work, I'll go collect cans, man. <laughs> hey, and like people want good food and they'll travel, they'll travel distances for that good food, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny some of the places we've seen people come from, Wollongong, Canberra and Campbelltown. <laughs> like honestly, I can't say how thankful we are, man, for these people yeah. that come out. Like they come from all over the place. So Marcus, considering you know, the breadth of experience you've had in the last few years, what does it mean to you to thrive? To thrive for me, I think, I think just to what one, one, one quote I always remember is um, to be able to live a more meaningful life. Um, and whatever that, whatever that means to you, um, to, to the individual. Yeah. 
is just to be able to do things um, that have purpose to, to yourself and to your family and, um, and, and to be able to be a, be a good influence, you know, in the community. Um, I think of thriving and, and, and listening to your guys um, talk, especially Stan mentioned about thriving in all aspects of your life, um, starting with your health and nutrition and, and uh, your, your mental wellness and, and, you know, your physical and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think thrive, thrive for me means that if we can get to a point where we, we wake up every day and, and we're just happy, we're just happy with how things are going uh, because nothing's going to be perfect. But um, as long, you know, if you, if you can be satisfied with how things are going in your life and in all aspects of your life, I think that's uh, you're he definitely heading in the right direction to be, to be thriving. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of how I look at it. A lot of people, supposedly, at least from all the surveys and things I've read, a lot of people hate their job. <laughs> a lot of people hate Mondays, hate getting out of bed, hate going to work. It sounds like you're really passionate about, about travel and all those things. And you've been in an industry that you love. Um, I'm curious if the restaurant is, is equally as passionate or if that was just born of necessity. How do you wake up wanting to work and do what you do? Yeah. Well, the, the thing, the, the thing, uh, you don't know, I, I'm not a hard worker, <laughs> so I don't like to work hard. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> um, the restaurant does require a bit of a, you know, you get, get the hands dirty a little bit, but, um, it, I, I always say to my wife, cause in the first couple of, you know, the first few weeks, it, it, um, we felt like we we're doing so much work for little return. Mm. And, um, uh, if it wasn't so fun, we would have, we would have thrown the towel in already. Uh, we, we really look forward to Saturdays where we can just come in and, um, you know, spend time with the team and just see the people come out. Like they just come out from everywhere and we get to talk and we've been, you know, lucky enough to get so much support from other local businesses. We've built a nice network. Um, we've been lucky enough to, you know, get quite, quite a few, um, you know, famous people come out as well and, and advertise us. But, um, it, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun, and and I always I always think back as well. You know, uh, I have this thing in my mind is because people don't like going to work. Um, you know, like you said, on a Monday they wake up and they just dread it. Like Sunday nights, unlike the worst time of the week because they know they got to wake up the next morning. But I heard something years ago that you know, if you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're not happy with what you're about to do that day, if that happens more than a couple of times, you need to change something. And so. Um, that's, that's just how, how I like to look at things as well. And we did a couple of interviews yesterday for the restaurant for some kitchen hands. And I was talking to the girls that came in for interviews and I said, look, I don't think anybody dreams to become a kitchen hand. Um, and so we're looking for people that uh, will want to come in and, and help us build our brand. Um, uh, but also maybe one someday, one day you guys go out and do something for yourself, you know, open your own restaurant or do something bigger. Um, and one of the girls, she, she got really excited and she said, look, you know, we've, we've actually tried to start a catering business a couple of years ago, but we, we just gave up when the pandemic came. And I said, look, you know, if, if you know, joining our team, we'll be able to encourage you and help you. Because, you know, the last thing I would expect someone is to want to be a kitchen hand for the rest of their life. Mm. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know if I answered the question. I think that's one of the signs of a brilliant boss is someone who looks at their employees and is looking for ways of how can I add value to you? Because that, that you know, as an employee, I feel a lot of loyalty to people who, who have my back, who who want my success, who want me to, to succeed. 
Stanford's one of those guys, and I don't ask that question to someone who's dissatisfied in my job, by the way, Stan. <laughs> should say that disclaimer. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> but um, I admire people. I love working for people who are interested in me and, and in my goals and what I want to do. And, um, and so I appreciate you saying that. It, I, I'm sure you've got a great work culture if that's the guiding principle there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, and Mark, is one of the things I noticed really early on in your journey uh, in the big, big Aloha food truck is, man, you've employed a lot of family members uh, to help out. And, and you said that, you know, they, they form your support network and, and encourage and motivate. But working with family can be a little bit different. You know, how, how, what have you learned working with family members? How, how do you manage dynamics from, you know, personal relationships to uh, on, on a professional or more business level? Or is there a separation for you? Yeah, there definitely is. We um, when they are when they do come to work, they are here to work, and they know that. Um, and so, you know, when when we do need to that we do need to draw the line, um, but they appreciate that as well because they know that they they are here. They're getting employed. They're getting paid, so they they're here to do, to do a job. Mm. Um, but we we try to create an environment where they actually want to come mm. and want to have fun and and want to be at work. So that we don't, we haven't had too many hiccups, if any. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely, there's there's no problem with them um, and, and their performance and things like that. They definitely, they definitely earn their, their pay. That's for sure. Yeah, great. So look, you, you when I look at you, uh, Marcus, it's easy to see that you wear several hats. You know, you're a family man, uh, you're religious, and you're an active member of your community. You're an entrepreneur and business owner times two now. <laughs> how do you balance everything? You know, how do you find time? Um, you know, you, you cover a width of things, but how do you make sure that you're, you're experiencing that depth in all those hats that you wear? Oh, to be fair, it's, is it's, um, there's a lot of work in progress here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm lucky. And, and, and I was just talking to my wife about it the other day. How we were, we were admiring other families in our congregation that, um, they seem to be able to do everything. And, um, you know, we're just talking about our kids in homeschool and, and the struggles to even just get them out of bed in the morning. And we see other families that their kids are up at six o'clock and, you know, they're, they're doing their church scriptures and this and that. And we, we can't seem to be able to get on top of it ourselves. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I did, I do have a wife who, um, who allows me to make decisions um, with business and things like that. And she just trusts that it'll work out. Um, and she doesn't, she doesn't necessarily try to stop um, some of the crazy ideas that I have. Um, and she focuses on, <laughs> on, um, you know, the family first and foremost and, and, um, and just keeping everything in check at home. And no, we were talking about that. We, we, we do, we don't, have an amazing balance, but, um, we are happy where we're at, but there's always, you know, lots of, lots of room to improve and things like that. Mm. Um, which we're still trying to, trying to get on top of That's for sure. I remember David A. Bednar was asked that this kind of same question, you know, how do you find balance in life? And, and he said, Hey, essentially he says, you don't, you know, stop, stop beating yourself up about it. It's really hard. Um, and he kind of likened it to these Chinese ac- acrobats that, you know, spin plates on these sticks. And, you know, they'll start spinning one 
uh, and then they'll put a stick on their knee and then they'll start spinning a second and then they'll put one on their forehead or chin and they'll start spinning a third. And, and before you know it, this, uh, this very talented, gifted acrobat is spinning like eight, eight and ten plates. And he uses that illustration to, um, I guess, to just to teach the principle that none of those plates are spinning at the exact revolutions per per second or per minute. It's impossible for all those plates to spin at the same speed. The, the objective is, is to pay enough attention to each plate that they just don't drop. But they're all, they're all, the, the rotation is they're all moving at a different speed. And, and he says that's the case in life. And I, if I look back and RJ's the same and you're the same, you know, when we're at university, the time and energy that you put into school you know, there wasn't a great balance in those other areas. Um, now, when you're trying to launch a, uh, a business and start a restaurant and then start your second business, you know, that, that can kind of put things off and, and you're, you know, you're just kind of focusing on that one plate for a bit and, and making sure it doesn't, uh, it gets up to the speed that it needs to. But at the same time, as long as we're moving around and making sure those other plates don't, don't drop, then we're okay. And so I've, I've always remembered that. And it, it's something that's always, it's kind of a principle and, and illustration that's always kind of resonated for me. Yeah, I like that. But I guess the, you know, the, the follow-up question is, is, is having the wisdom to limit the amount of plates we're trying to spin. You know, sure, you, you, you can do maybe eight, nine, ten. I'm not sure how many, how many, of these, how many plates these acrobats can spin, but you're not doing 50. You know, you're not. So there is some, I guess, some wisdom and some judgment uh, that needs to t- to take place and and be implemented just to to yeah. make it a little uh, a little easier for yourself, right? I think, and sometimes it's okay to give yourself permission to put a plate down for a while, knowing that you'll pick it up again later. Like like for my yeah. wife, it's always been a dream of hers to get her degree. Um, right now, she's got three kids at home and homeschooling on top of that, and you know, there's just there's only so many things you can do at one time. And mm. so for some plates, it's okay to put them down and say, I will get back to this and it is important, but it, it can come another time and, mm. and, and be comfortable with that. I like that insight. Yeah, that makes sense. So Marcus, what are one or two experiences that have helped shape and refine you into the person that you are today? Well, for me, um, I can I can definitely go, one thing I can go back to is, is the mission in uh, Nicaragua. Um, it was, it was, it was tough. <laughs> it was, it was so good because it was tough. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that it was tough. Like, um, you know, living on the other side of the world and Nicaragua is, it's not only a third world country, but it's kind of like, you know, pushing on fourth world type thing. So, um, you know, we, we didn't have any, I didn't have a hot shower for two years and, and I think I came home in the heart of summer and it was like 41 degrees and I went straight into the hot shower. That's how, that's how much I missed it. But, um, um, you know, there was no flushing toilets. So we had to use the bucket and uh, we had diarrhea every day for two years nonstop. Like it was just, it was tough. I got dengue fever a couple of times. But I think I think back now and I wouldn't change it. Like I, it was just those experiences where I think helped me to, to build a bit of, you know, resilience um, to, to challenges. Mm. Um, and also, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, we moved to, we moved to Mount Druitt when I was two years old and I, and I grew up there and 
a lot of people talk about the area and things like that. But I think for me, it was it was a blessing to grow up in Mount Druitt where, you know, where, where you, you'd go to a job interview and once you said you're from Mount Druitt, you pretty much got turned down straight away. But because but, we had to learn, we had to learn to be creative. Um, we had to, to learn to, you know, pretty much hustle for everything that we got. And so I think, I think, you know, going on a mission to Nicaragua and the blessing of growing up in an area where, you know, low socioeconomic and, you know, and I don't, I don't you know, people in Mount Druitt don't feel sorry for themselves. I definitely don't feel sorry for myself. Yeah. From yeah. But I think it was, a, it was, it was a blessing for me to, to grow up there and to learn to um, deal with things that other people didn't get to deal with. So they're probably two of the things that I, I could count as huge blessings that I was able to, to, to learn a lot from. Mm. I love it that too, that, you know, the opinions of society don't have to define you. You don't have to fit the stereotype that people place upon you. You you have the power to decide how much you buy into that or not. Exactly. We're so good at judging each other and, and we're so good at putting each other in these stereotypes, but they, they're only as true as we allow them to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. And just, just lastly, sorry, you remind me of something. When, 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 um, when I did move back to to the Mount Druitt Flight Center, I, I was in, I was in, um, I was with the Curability team, and we were over in Cancun at the at the awards event, Flight Center Takeaway every year. And we were in Cancun, and and I met the top team um, from the West, and they were the Penrith store at that time, and um, and so I just went and introduced myself. I was like, I heard you guys are, you know, the number one. Um, and stuff like that. And they heard I was coming back to Mount Druitt and, and, and the team leader there said to me, and that's not going to change when you get to Mount Druitt either. And so, and so that kind of egged me on to, to, um, to do well. And I just love it when people, people write you off because the challenge um, is like, know, it just gives yeah. you that motivation. Want to bet? To, <laughs> it's a challenge. Yeah. I love a challenge. <laughs> Marcus, before we get to the final question we had on the list, how do our listeners find you? How do they follow you? Where do they go to get these amazing Hawaiian eats? Oh, awesome, awesome. Um, at the moment, we have the food truck is stationed at um, Parkley Markets, um, just outside door number three. Uh, so it won't move from there. It's been there since January, and that's where that's where it's going to stay. Great. Um, our, our restaurant will be opening um, on the 30th of October, uh, and that's at St. Mary's on Queen Street. Um, nice. so you won't miss it there, but, um, we've got our social media. We put all our updates through our socials pages So we've got, um, Instagram. It's, uh, the big, big Aloha. So there's two bigs there and, um, that's on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we haven't really learned how to use TikTok yet. So, uh, we got, <laughs> we're, still learning, <laughs> we're still learning how to use Instagram, <laughs> but, um, and then, uh, with, with travel partners, I've also got a page, uh, Marcus Joseph travel partners. Um, on Instagram and Facebook as well. But, um, okay, yeah, all, all updates go on our socials um, pretty much every week. Thanks for the plug there. We'll have links to all of those in our show notes so that listeners can get easy access. Hey, and before RJ asks this last question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in here and say, hey, to all our listeners, hey, if for, all your, for any travel needs, come see my man Marcus. He'll look after you. <laughs> um, oh, thank I, you, you. Know, I remember, I, I, I remember a, last, a last minute, conversation with Marcus because my wife and I uh, all of a sudden wanted to make our way to the 2015 World Cup 
<laughs> and, uh, and 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 Marcus help us help us make make that happen after the, the All Blacks beat um, after they beat South Africa in the, in the semi final. Um, and look for the, all those listeners. Oh, thanks! And for all those listeners that enjoy good food, you have to make your way down to the big big Aloha food truck and out to St Mary's uh, when the restaurant opens really uh, really soon. Here, I, I kid you not. I'm I'm not in Sydney at the moment. And the first place I'm going to go when I get back to Sydney is is to the big, big aloha. <laughs> Thank you, Stan. And anyone that pops up at the big, big aloha and says they've come through um, I Thrive Nutrition, they'll get a 10% discount. Just mention nice. It. Awesome. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to kind of wrap up with and sharing with our listeners that has helped you to thrive in your life? Probably two things. Um, I, I remember reading a book um, by Sherry Jew, and uh, the book's the book's titled "If If Life Were Easy, Then It Wouldn't Be Hard." And so, um, yep. you know, we we kind of need to just embrace the challenges with, with the pandemic. Um, you know, we have a choice to to just roll over and 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 you know, whinge to ourselves or. Or we can just, you know, roll with the punches and, and just create opportunities with what we've been given. Um, and and I just like to, I always like to share with, back when I was at church college, um, there was a teacher there, Elder James Ritchie. Um, you guys might know, I've heard of him, but um, I, I he taught a class at college, which I remember. And then and then again, when I was at BYU Hawaii, he, he taught the same principle. So I like to share it with everybody. He has a formula for success. And um, it's kind of like my favorite formula that, that um, I always go back to when, when I want to do something. And, and he has five steps in his formula is first thing is just wake up early in the morning, um, you know, beat everybody else, you know, win the morning, win the day. Um, his se- second step is you just got to work hard, uh, whatever it may be in, you've just got to work hard, work harder than the person next to you. Um, and the third, the third step is you've got to find your oil. Um, in other words, find that thing that you're, you're good at, um, and keep searching till you find that oil. And when you find that oil, number four is make your mark. Um, and so go out and, and do something with that. Um, and the final step is build the kingdom of God. And so, um, for those of our, um, you know, those that aren't religious, you know, just be a good influence in the community uh, with the mm-hmm. talents that you've been given. So, I learned I learned that formula twenty years ago, and 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 I've never forgotten it um, from James. And that's kind of like my favorite go-to formula um, for life. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much for for this privilege of being on your your podcast. It's uh, such a wonderful privilege to be here, and I appreciate that. Thank you. You might be the first guest to feel that way, but we're grateful. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, that's a great that's a great gem that you've dropped, Marcus. I really I really like that. I never had I don't I never had Brother Richie as as a teacher. Yeah, he's such a such an inspiration. He's done he's I think he's he retired when he was twenty five. He he has, you know, he has a he has I don't know if he's got one leg or like he's got like a prosthetic leg. Like he's had a lot of challenges. He started growing mm. up. But he, he was able to build business, retire at 25, and I think he's gone on over 15 or 20 missions around the world. Um, and he continues to teach teach wow. classes today, volunteer classes at BYU. So such an inspiration. Um, 
and that yeah that formula is just it, it means a lot to me I've, and i like to share it with as many people as i can well listeners thank you for joining us on this episode of the i thrive podcast i hope you have been inspired and motivated as much as i have been from marcus's story uh he's a great man so get out there follow him when travel comes back hit, hit him up at travel partners and make sure you get yourselves down to the big big aloha our mission is to motivate and inspire you to be your best self have you overcome adversity in life well we'd like to hear from you and you can contact us at podcast at ithrivenutrition.com.au and we'll get back to you this podcast was brought to you by iThrive Nutrition, a premium range of Australian-made practitioner strength supplements specifically formulated to help you thrive. Whether you're training, recovering, or relaxing, iThrive Nutrition will help you do it better. You can learn more about iThrive Nutrition at iThriveNutrition.com.au. Again, iThriveNutrition.com.au. And you can follow us on all the social media platforms. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great day, and it's time to thrive.